Locked On Bruins, your daily podcast on the Boston Bruins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Bruins fans? It is Thursday, September 24th, and I'm your host, Ian McLaren. This is a daily Boston Bruins podcast where we discuss all things spoke to be as well as take a look around the NHL. I hope you are all doing well, and I thank you for taking some time to chat about the Bruins with me. Well, you're not actually chatting with me, but I'm chatting to you, hopefully causing you to think about this team in a positive way and consider what may be on the horizon for our Boston Bruins. Chances are you've come through either Apple, Spotify, Pocket Casts, If you have not already, please hit that subscribe button so that each new episode will be automatically uploaded to your feed for you to download, listen, and enjoy. If you could also toss up a star rating and a review, that would be very much appreciated. It really does go a long way towards helping grow the podcast. If you're on Twitter and Instagram, you can find me at Ian C. McLaren. You can also follow show at LO underscore Boston Bruins or email me at locked on Boston Bruins at gmail.com if you have any long form messages to send over. Today on the podcast, well, you know, it can be a bit difficult to track down people to chat with. So I thought, why not bring on an in-house guest? And that would be my wife, Lauren. We'll talk about all things hockey as well as being a hockey parent and uh, should be fun as well going to mention a few Bruins news items that I came across this morning, including an update of TSN's trade board, which mentions a Boston Bruins goalie, and also some rumblings of a potential buyout candidate on the Bruins roster as well. But uh, first of all, let's get into this chat with my wife, Lauren. Well, it actually looks like Lauren isn't quite ready to chat yet as I wait for her to come up to my office to have a great discussion. Let's talk about these Bruins items that I came across this morning. The first from Frank Cervelli of TSN. We talked yesterday about some potential Bruins trade targets and looked at the trade bait list that had not been updated since September 1st. Lo and behold, there's an update here this morning. And Frank Cervelli added a couple Bruins notes. First of all, he said goodbye to Tori Krug, the number three ranked UFA this summer. That would be according to TSN's free agent rankings. But he also mentioned the following. He said, many are wondering whether GM Don Sweeney is quietly checking the value of goaltender Tuka Rask. Entering the final year of his deal at $7 million, ahead of an offseason unlike any other for the position. I believe he's there referencing the fact that there are quite a few goalies who are either free agents or who could be moved via trade. In fact, uh, Matt Murray is number one on TSN's trade list. That list also includes Marc-Andre Fleury, Darcy Kemper, Frederick Anderson, and then UFAs, we have players like uh, Braden Holtby, Robin Leonard, uh, who else is on there? 
Jimmy Howard to a much lesser extent. So if Rask were to be made available, that would certainly be uh, or make fellow general managers ears perk up. And uh, that could be something that Sweeney would consider as a result of Rask leaving the bubble and maybe some uncertainty about his future with the team or in the game. Having said that, the Bruins have already said that they will welcome Tuka back with open arms. Uh, but again, he mentioned this is happening quietly. It can't be that quiet if he's mentioning it. So I don't really know what to make of that. Elsewhere, James Myrtle of The Athletic wrote a piece this morning about the NHL's top 22 buyout candidates. And he mentions John Moore at number 13. He writes, I know they may lose Zdeno Chara, and it appears very likely they'll lose Tori Karuk too. So the Bruins need defensemen, but I'm not sure they need ones making as much as Moore, who has played as little as he has the past year. And Boston is the kind of team that could do real damage in free agency with some more money to spend. AKA Taylor Hall, please. Given how many players will want to play there to try and win. Dumping Moore gives them about $8 million to be aggressive, assuming Chara and Krug don't return. Plus, this buyout would free up $2 million in 2021-22, which could be key given some of the players who will need new contracts. Right now, John Moore is making $2.75 million for the next three years. The buyout cap hit would be $1.3 million next season, so that would free up about $1.4 million. Um, and that's also in year three of the buyout. In years two and then four, five, six, it would be about 805000 against the cap. So even after his contract was set to expire, they'd still be on the hook for about $800,000 after that. I don't know if they want to take that route with him. Ideally, they'd want uh, someone to take him off their hands. There would be some salary retention there probably, but that would be the preferred route so that you're not stuck with those three extra years. Uh, but something for Sweeney to consider for sure. Before we move on, let's talk for a moment about rockauto.com. Rock Auto is a family-owned business, and they've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. If you go to rockauto.com, you can shop for auto and body parts from literally hundreds of manufacturers. Their catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle, choosing the brands and prices that you prefer. Their prices are always reliably low, and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Hi, Lauren. Hello. Are you ready to um, talk about your favorite hockey team? Absolutely. Now... I wouldn't say you're the biggest hockey fan in the world, but you've certainly been um, hockey adjacent for most of your life. I usually ask people who come on the podcast about their hockey origin stories. So can you maybe just start talking about uh, your experiences with hockey growing up and what relation you had to it? Sure. Yeah, so as a kid, I had two 
brothers that played hockey. Um, they were in House League and in the Rockton area. And also my dad played hockey as well. So I remember him playing Sunday mornings and, uh, yeah. And then I recall having the option as a girl to either play on a hockey team or do figure skating. And I chose figure skating. So that's the route that I took. And, uh, my family was, or are Leaf fans, I will say that. Right, yes. I remember, I think the first time I visited your family's home when we were dating, I think I slept in your brother Mark's bed as he was off at university, Mm -hmm. and he had a Maple Leafs um, blanket featured prominently on his bed, and it really caused me to question uh, whether or not I wanted to become part of this family. Just kidding. Nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, your your brothers were big hockey fans growing up. You mentioned you chose not to play hockey. Mm-hmm. Our sons do now play hockey. Yeah. Um, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But what uh, when you look at the kids who are playing hockey in their leagues now and the amount of girls playing do you think there's been a growth in that area now? Like you notice more girls playing than when you were growing up? Yeah, absolutely. There's a growth in girls playing and there's more opportunity now. So at the time, it wasn't really the norm as a kid to play. I don't recall there being a girls team available. Um, so if I wanted to play hockey, I would have had to play with uh, you know, potentially on my brother's team or I don't know, we're two years apart, but yeah, so that, that for some girls, it doesn't matter, but for me, it was a barrier, I think. And, uh, I, I like to see how it's way more accessible for girls to, to play or even learn to skate using hockey skates versus figure skates. Uh, you know, it's, it's nice to see for sure. When I was in high school, most of the girls who were open to hockey just played a ringette. I don't even know if is ringette even still a thing anymore. I, I'm not sure. I'm not a big. Sports well, person. let's look into that. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll I'll Google that. <laughs> so yeah, you weren't a huge hockey fan growing up. Did you uh, anticipate um, partnering with someone who uh, is a uh, relatively large hockey fan i didn't give that a whole lot of thought but it's not shocking in a way like i've always been around hockey fans and it is a big thing in my family you know and you know it's just the area i think we we grow up in and i grew up in so um yeah it's fine i'm used to it and now we have our three boys all in it and that in my mind growing up, I knew that if I had kids that they event- likely would play hockey. That was not really a question in my mind. It was just what you did. You learned how to skate. My whole thing was you learn how to skate and you learn how to swim. And then all the other stuff is sort of extra. Yeah, I, had, I never learned to play hockey when I was a kid. I regret that now. But, you know, the cost was very prohibitive. It seems to be a bit easier these days to get into it. We have a really great program here in Guelph. Um, 
You mentioned earlier that your family is mostly Leafs fans. That has led to some awkward encounters over the years. There was one time where um, your brother, who's a major Leafs fan, when the Bruins were winning 4-1 against the Maple Leafs in a Game 7 a few years back, or 2013 to be precise, I actually um, texted him congratulations in the third period uh, for the Leafs win, and then Boston ended up um coming back and winning 5-4 in overtime so that <laughs> we ended up I don't think we really talked for not because we were angry but just because it was awkward for oh for a few weeks <laughs> and then last year Bruins and Leafs played game six on Easter Sunday afternoon at your uncle's house and we were all watching and I was um my um my butt cheeks were a bit clenched uh, for a couple hours there I don't even know if you were aware that was going on <sighs> No, I, I wasn't. I was enjoying uh, Easter chocolate and wine. I wasn't focused on the game. The Bruins did win that game, so I I was pretty happy. Um, you know, mm-hmm. the Bruins were down in that series and they won, so you could say they they were risen in that series on Easter. So <laughs> you maybe see what I have to deal with people. Now we have been to some hockey games together over the years. You you enjoy watching hockey live for sure, right? Yeah, that would be my preferred method of viewing. We actually a couple of years ago for my birthday, we went we went to Buffalo to watch a Bruins game. Do you remember that one? Yeah. Vaguely. Do you remember the the result? No. The Bruins won that game. <laughs> 2 to Again, 1. It's about the food. <laughs> we yes, Cheesecake Factory we went yeah, to after. Exactly. I don't know if you remember, we went to a game in Ottawa with uh against the Senators, Washington Capitals, Alexander Ovechkin scored four goals. I do recall him scoring four goals. I will say that. I was going to say that and oh, impress right. you on right. a little oh, shoot. Sorry. stat. Sorry for bringing it up. Okay. That was actually his first appearance ever on Hockey Night in Canada, which is another fun fact. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, the Bruins, when they won the Cup in 2011, our son was only not even one years old at that point. But we took him to see Rich Peverly and the Stanley Cup when he mm-hmm. came to Guelph. That was a pretty cool, pretty cool moment. Do you remember remember going down to the Sleeman Center? At- yeah, I remember. Yeah, and we had a little Bruins jersey that he wore. I don't know where we got that or did, but he and I remember doing a little photo shoot with him as a baby with the little jersey and, um, you know. Just I remember how happy you were, so that was nice to see. And now, yeah, that they're in hockey, how do you uh, how do you feel about being a hockey parent? Is it everything that uh, you thought it would be, or or like um, you know, just why why was it important for us to put our kids in hockey? Well, I think there's a few factors there. I think the first as I mentioned, just that I always, I think, assumed that I would put my kids in hockey. But then just it was important for me that they learn the skill of skating and also playing on a team. I mean, it doesn't have to be hockey, but I do see a lot of value in team sport and increase in self-esteem and learning how to lose. And all of those things are just a lot of key life lessons that you can learn Um, playing on a team so that to me is 
the most important, not necessarily being the best player on the team or just do your best and learn how to work together. And also learning to play hockey in terms of sports is, I think it's a big accomplishment versus uh, soccer. Maybe this is controversial. (laughs) I don't know. No, but just the layers of putting on equipment and skating with equipment and um, that type of thing. Like there's just a lot of factors there and there was a a time there when they first started where they were a little resistant like Mm -hmm. all this heavy equipment and crying at the boards i want to get off (laughs) and we'd go hide and like make them stay and then now they know how to skate confidently and that means a lot because that's what builds resiliency in kids Mm -hmm. and hockey is a great avenue for that Mm -hmm. it's funny because you can kind of see personalities in how they play even with our kids like well our youngest, he's still in the learn to skate program, so he's kind of still learning just how to skate and make strides and things like that. Our middle child, he's very rambunctious, would you say? High energy. High energy. And he, last year, really developed uh, or realized that he could kind of outskate kids and he would yeah. take the puck and skate all over, even scored a couple goals. Mm-hmm. But he also has a little feistiness in him so there were a couple times when he was like whacking other kids sticks or actively tripping them and things like that mm-hmm. uh kind of a, a brad marchand vibe for our, us bruins fans whereas our older son he's a bit more reserved yeah. um and perhaps a bit more cautious yeah. and he's really taken to playing defense mm-hmm. a very at-home defensive style where sometimes he doesn't even enter the offensive zone and uh, but he takes pride in like chasing down the puck and um and getting it back up the ice which is really cool to see mm-hmm. now this year obviously it's going to be a bit different because of covid our kids are going to have to gear up at home minus skates and helmets only one parent will be allowed in the rink yeah. um and yeah there's some not reservations, but some questions about playing through this. Um, but why Why did we feel that it was important for them to, to continue to play this year, even with all the uncertainty going on in a safe environment, obviously? Yeah, we, we had to weigh out once we heard what, you know, the protocols were in terms of the arenas and uh, ice time and everything. But, um, yeah, yeah. We're in this season of unknown on like mm-hmm. every front. So yeah. we're just going to try and see. I think we felt compelled to move forward with it because um, to take a whole year off, I think, would be mm-hmm. detrimental in their progress and even maybe in their interest. And I think they've got a good thing going and I don't want to mess with that. So we just continued. Mm-hmm. One of the things, too, I like about our hockey association is that we kind of mentioned it earlier, but it's like, it's pretty diverse. There's not only boys and girls playing together, but there's women coaches, there's coaches and players from all different backgrounds that might be, um, you know, part of living in Guelph, which isn't super diverse, but we do have those backgrounds. I think, yeah, it's just neat to have our boys, um, in that environment for sure and and teaching them those lessons of fair play and inclusion and things like that that how important is that to you very important to me yeah mm-hmm. so and that's 
hockey is a great place to learn some of those lessons and well uh love thank you so much for taking some time to chat today i always ask people too when they come on kind of how they're staying busy through the pandemic show recommendations book recommendations things like that do you want to talk a bit about what we've been watching uh watching together lately or other things that you could recommend for books or shows or anything like that <laughs> yeah it's been an interesting six months um we've recently started watching good girls um so that's been good like we're just in the first season but it's entertaining enough it has some funny moments and... one episode left actually. okay so yeah there's some cliche aspects to it but it's entertaining mm -hmm. um and yeah in terms of books i haven't been reading a ton to be honest i read a bit for work um so my background's in counseling so yeah just reading on subjects that are like eating disorders and what about that one you were watching last night on netflix do you want to talk about that for a minute oh yeah i did check out the social dilemma that documentary on netflix yeah last night i didn't totally finish it because i was falling asleep on the couch <laughs> um but yeah it was uh pretty depressing <laughs> i said texted ian i was like oh this is so depressing just thinking about how our kids are being raised just entrenched in, in social media and, and the impact that that has. So, uh, but it's good to be informed and to make intentional choices and help protect them around, uh, you know, just cyber safety and all that. So it's good to be informed, but worth a watch for sure. Cool. Well, uh, thanks so much for, for taking some time this morning to chat and, um, um, is there anything else uh, you'd like to share this morning? I think that about sums it up. Thanks so much for having me on the Lockdown Boston Brewers podcast. Uh, I don't know if Ian's ever mentioned this, but the boys can sometimes hear Ian record his intro. And so every so often they you'll hear, welcome to the Lockdown Boston Brewers podcast. It, it's hilarious coming out of a five-year-old's mouth. But hope you all have a good day and uh, stay safe. Perfect. Yeah, I got to get Henry uh, saying that at mm -hmm. some point and get it on here. That would be good to have as the, the intro to the podcast. Thanks, Lauren. Let's finish now with some news and notes from around the NHL, as we do every day. The big story in the NHL this morning was Steven Stamkos' heroics in Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Final. He's been injured for several months now and has yet to, or had yet to have made an appearance in a game in the bubble but he suited up for game three he only had about three minutes of ice time but he did score a goal and you know it might have been just one gas but getting in some action in the stanley cup final to say that he contributed and he certainly did scoring uh, tampa's second goal of the night i believe in an eventual 5-2 win he spent the rest of the game on the bench um, just taking it all in. Not sure if he'll be able to play game four, but even if that's all he did, a uh, pretty cool story for Stamkos and the Lightning. The other big story, I guess, is just Victor Hedman's continued dominance. He now has uh, 10 goals, and only Paul Coffey at 12 and Brian Leach with 11 have scored more in Stanley Cup playoff history. So he certainly seems to be the uh, odds-on Conn Smythe trophy favorite at the moment. 
uh, just completely dominant inside the bubble for the Tampa Bay Lightning. I should mention as well that Sportsnet, uh, Luke Fox, he also has John Moore listed as one of his buyout candidates. He writes the following of Moore's situation. It's uncertain whether UFA, Tory Krug, or Zidane Chara will be back in black and gold. And a building block on the back will be due a raise in each of the next three off-seasons. Matt Grizzly this season, Brandon Carlo next off-season, and then Charlie McAvoy in 2022. Where does that leave more? A sometimes healthy scratch, often healthy scratch, and a 29-year-old who is overpaid for a guy who provided three points in just 24 appearances this past season. GM Don Sweeney is hard against the cap. Might be a bit of an exaggeration. The Bruins are one of the most cash-rich franchises, and more than half of Moore's half-cap hit could be chopped in the event of a buyout. So certainly uh, more than one source mentioning that uh, makes this maybe more of a possibility, kind of where there's smoke, there's fire, or when media people bring things to the forefront, it's usually, you know, someone's leaked it or something like that. So John Moore could be a buyout candidate. And that period opens, I believe, on Friday. So we'll see if if that comes to fruition there. That's it for today's episode of Locked On Boston Bruins. Thank you so much again for tuning in. And please do subscribe if you are not already. For those of you who are and have listened to a few episodes, please do toss up a rating and a review. Again, it would be very, very much appreciated. I hope you all have a great Thursday. Uh, And uh, like Lauren said, Stay safe, take care of yourselves, take care of each other. There's a lot going on in the world uh, with COVID, Black Lives Matter, all kinds of stuff, the upcoming election. It's a very stressful time for people. So hopefully this podcast can provide a brief distraction and uh, just a reminder to, yes, do take care of yourselves and take care of each other. And we'll be back tomorrow with uh, the final episode of the week. Thanks again for tuning in, friends, and uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Later.